If you enjoy this episode of Obscure Obsessions, please remember to rate us, review us, and subscribe. Thank you for your support. On this episode of Obscure Obsessions. Oh, that was a meteor! <laughs> he was the Amy Winehouse of 90s comedians. <laughs> His face was horrible. It was like a grilled cheese sandwich or something. <laughs> Nothing screams hilarity like dueling cereal companies. <laughs> what else can we... Let's get a seal on board. <laughs> this movie makes Ernest Rides Again look like Avatar. <laughs> and now, here are your hosts. Well, hello again. Welcome back. It's good to have you here. This is Obscure Obsessions. I am your host, Nick Zaccario, and I'm joined as always by my cousin and co-host, Taylor Zaccario. Taylor. How you like in today's setup, which is different than our normal recording that's, setup? That's right. Um, all of you who are, uh, who well, you, no one can see this actually because we don't have cameras. No, but we're actually in a we're we're recording in a different room, same house, different room. Right. I feel fine about it. I, I mean, I can film this anywhere. Great. Not film it. Record it. Someday I will learn the difference between the terminology. By the end of not this season, but probably next yeah. season. Once we're it. done with next season, I will learn the difference between saying we between recording and, and shooting. Right. Because mm. I always say we're let's film, and we're not filming because we have no cameras here. Not but, yet. Maybe soon. Who knows? So Gugu Mabatha Raw. Nick and I were talking about her before the. Um, episode began i was having a very um r-rated rant yeah you had a very visceral reaction to (laughs) not necessarily her as an actress no i like her but a movie that she was the lead actress in yeah which which is the cloverfield which i'm also seeing that also in this movie was another mcu person daniel brule daniel brule who i do like but i can't remember if he has that big of a part in it like a like a decent part i kind of remember big walking piece of crap that awful movie Cloverfield Paradox. Oh, I thought you were talking about J.J. Abrams. Oh, that... He Fs up every franchise, I think is what I said in a, in a yeah. more coarse way. <laughs> but we're not talking about that today. But we are talking about streaming services, and that's kind of how this conversation came about. Right. We were sort of talking about what is our actual preferred streaming service. If you had to go one, two, and three, what would be your Avengers of... This was a great segue, actually. Because we were talking, and right, and I was saying that I was actually close to getting rid of um, Netflix, but then I read that they're going to actually keep Seinfeld. Seinfeld. I'm trying to think of what classic sitcom it was that they're going to either keep or get rid of. So because you were actually brought up a very good point, which is that Netflix is a streaming service that originally sort of exploded and gave everyone the yeah. ability to do streaming, but in recent years, the original content hasn't always been that great. And like I, I watch Netflix, but not nearly as much as I watch. Okay, here are my top three, my current living situation. I don't have cable in my room, so I exclusively either watch physical media mm-hmm. or streaming services. Right. So my go-to tend to be, what's that Amazon one called? Amazon Prime. Is it called Prime or is it Prime called Am- Video. Prime Video? Because yeah, you, you see it on there and it's yeah. not called that. HBO Max, which I like because that one has it's a good search features, good swath of of stuff. The same thing with Amazon Prime is Amazon Prime does have some very strange movies. But my big gripe with Prime Video has always been, and we talked about this before, that if a movie or a TV show that you have saved in your watch list right. 
is no longer available through Prime. And whether that's you have to buy or rent it or it just becomes unavailable through yeah. a subscription service, it doesn't automatically leave your list. It's sure. just the insignia that the Prime Video has over the title disappears and that's how you know, okay, I can no longer watch. Yeah, some of these something. have these weird feature these weird glitches. I also notice this sometimes with HBO Max where I click and it takes like a second on the TV for the reaction to happen. That happens with me on the Roku. So that's what yeah, I have. That's what I have. Of. I have the Roku what's that called? TV. Okay. The other streaming service that I use quite a bit is Disney Plus, mm-hmm. which is one we'll be focusing on today. And the reason that I like Disney Plus, why well, I'm a I'm a Disney fan. I think that's been obvious right. by the show. So if they far. had a Batman Plus, I'd be all over that like <laughs> Not crap through a goose, but uh, one of those other kind of systems. Sure. Because Disney Plus not only has the standard Disney things that people enjoy, mm-hmm. but it has so many odd, strange movies. And certain things that when it premiered on launch day, automatically brought a sense of nostalgia for me where I saw a specific title such as the Timon and Pumbaa TV series right. that I used to watch at Disney World all the time. And, and also, there it is for my leisure. Or it had uh, Davy Crockett, King of the Wild Frontier, and then the other one that I like, Davy Crockett and the River Pirates, where he, he where he challenges Mike Fink up the river, <laughs> which I you know I always loved those weirder ones. But mm. the thing I loved about Disney Plus was it had weird ones that I hadn't even heard of, ones that I would never possibly have ever seen. Maybe rightfully so. <laughs> but ones that you would seek out if you had the time. Absolutely. And fortunately, I ended up having it, <laughs> thanks to certain world events. So what we thought we would do today is go through... And Nick and I have watched a number of these Stranger right. Ones. I've watched a few more. Yeah. Uh, and we'll go... I think it would be fun today to go through some of these and talk not just about... Now, we're talking about Disney Plus as a streaming service... But about these very this very strange content that is worthwhile checking. If you're listening to this show and you're not a relative of ours, you're listening because you're actually interested in these oddball stuff or then, uh, or unidentified flying oddballs. Ah, then these are movies that you should you would definitely be interested in. Yeah, because uh, there's it's not just one specific subsect of odd Disney movies. Like right. they have a plethora of old movies that specifically were human and animal duos there's other types of ones there's There's kids like on adventure types and there's a sort of swashbuckling period where there was a lot of there's ones that are based on classical literature there's ones that are you can think okay how did someone come up with this idea they were all sitting in in a conference room in burbank saying, you know what, let's come up with the craziest concept possible and let's just shoot it. Yep. And we're going to read... Walt, sign off on this, please. Hey, Walt, we're going to read some of the synopses. Like we said, we've watched some of these or I've seen some of these or I haven't or we haven't, but we're just going to read how crazy they are. And there are a few we really need to spend time on. Yeah. And in order to get through... There's so many. In order to get through these very odd, obscure Disney movies i had to pare down the list with certain um restrictions Mm -hmm. for example we're not going to talk about any disney channel original movies okay because that's a whole other show to get through and and in fairness some of them deserve 
their own show. Sure. We, for example, we watched Phantom of the Megaplex not too long ago. That deserves a full rant. Uh, we watched, what was the other one? Under Wraps. Under Wraps. Terrific. Another thing that we're, we're not going to talk about any of the animated movies. Partially because, again, that's a whole other show. But partially, the animated movies aren't nearly as strange. Yeah, somehow the ones that are the crazier and the weirder are the ones that people actually showed up on a set right. one day to a, film. A human beings actually walked in front of a camera and got paid money to do some of this crap. <laughs> and it's interesting to think about it in this way. When you think of Disney, most people think the animated stuff. Mm -hmm. And certainly Disney made some crap animated movies. Right. But the percentages, not to get all eighth grade math on you here, <laughs> the percentages leaned more to gold than to crap of animated. Whereas the live action, I would say the percentages of crap outranks far it. Out, you know those scales? Picture a big bag of crap on one. <laughs> it's an interesting point, though, you said, because there are a lot more live action movies. Even in recent years, we've seen sort of, a, I wouldn't say a renaissance, but Disney has become recently synonymous with remaking animated properties. Right. And having the live action remakes be far less than subpar. Yeah, like I want them to do a remake of those Callaways. <laughs> or a remake of... Sammy, uh, the way out seal. Or uh, Gray Friars Bobby. <laughs> I don't even know that one. Or Benji the Hunted. But what's interesting is most of these movies, they're mostly in the 60s or 70s. Mm -hmm. Around the time where I don't know quite what was going on. But Disney has always had these sort of ups and downs in terms of its quality. Yeah, this might have been during a and period where it was dipping in quality. Right. Because Disney died in 1966. So oh. some of these are around the time he was either alive or dying just recently passed so let's talk a little bit about some of these and you know you can kind of break these down some of these with actors and one actor who i always have and i've a few months ago was on a real don knotts jag yep a real don knotts kick now don knotts for you in the audience who don't know and how dare you don knotts is probably most famous for being barney fife on the andy griffith show mm -hmm. and he was famous for his nervous man character he was a very nervous type right and he made a series of films at various studios i think i think universal i want to say yeah i uh, believe you're right movies like the shakiest gun in the west the, gun, the ghost of mr chicken and my personal favorite don knotts movie the uh, Reluctant Astronaut. Which is great. Uh, Nick, would you get, provide us a little bit with a, uh, a Don Knotts impression? So this comes from a scene in Reluctant Astronaut. Right. I'm going to set the scene briefly. He's pretending to be an astronaut at this little fair that he works at. Yeah. And it's one of those really crappy rides where it looks like they're taking off and they're just spinning in a circle very slowly. And he's like, I think I hear a meteor. <laughs> I think I hear a meteor and then some guy like kicks the side of the and you hear this thud and all the kids are freaking out he's like oh that was a meteor <laughs> so Don Haas was then scooped up by Disney to do a few films mm -hmm. and this is exam an example of a film and if you hear me clicking it's me making sure I have the right dates right. on my computer our researcher has a vacation day Yeah, our, our researcher is at a baseball game <laughs> This movie came from 1976, and it's a movie called Gus. Oh, this wasn't even the one I was going to say. 
And th- here's the synopsis. Have you seen the movie, Gus? No, I just I've seen the box for you, it. You're lucky. <laughs> here's the synopsis for the movie Gus, starring the great Don Knotts, as well as Ed Asner. Oh, who people will know as the voice of Carl in uh, Up, Up, and he was Santa Claus in many films, but particularly um, Elf. Here's the synopsis of Gus. I remember this was actually made. This was made by a, a major studio. The inept California Adams, floundering in the cellar of the National Football League, welcomed the team's newest member, a mule capable of place-kicking a football 100 yards with deadly accuracy. (laughs) It's a movie where they get a mule from a foreign country, from Yugoslavia, to come to California to kick a football (laughs) on a football team. (laughs) I don't think I laughed once when I watched this movie. But that's so unfortunate because that's a crazy idea. It's a crazy concept, but it's worth watching just for the how ridiculously stupid this concept is. Who does Don Knotts play in the movie? Is he like he's the a coach? coach. <laughs> yeah, he's, oh my he's God. Coach Venner. Because well, if there's anything, once you see a photo of Don Knotts, <laughs> you wouldn't necessarily place that guy as a football coach. Oh, the other famous one is... Uh, What's one you were going to say? I was going to say either Apple Dumpling Gang yeah. or The Love Bug. Oh, right. He was in... He was in, he was in one of those. Yeah, he, uh, Herbie the Love Bug. Apple Dumpling Gang was on my radar for many years, ever since I bought my Return to Oz DVD. Because mm-hmm. they always showed the trailer... For that for, one. For the Apple Dumpling Gang. Here's the plot of Apple Dumpling Gang. The hilarity begins... And when any synopsis begins with the hilarity begins... Odds are there's no There's hilarity. no hilarity. <laughs> begins when a bachelor... Played by Bill Bixby, who was the original Bruce Banner on the Incredible Hulk oh. TV series. Technically, he was called David Banner, but they thought Bruce was a feminine name. And that's why they changed his name on the Incredible Hulk series. Hmm. The hilarity begins when a bachelor inherits three orphans who stumble upon a huge gold nugget. While everyone in town is after their claim, the kids join forces with two bumbling outlaws to stage a robbery to get it back. Oh, can I sing you the theme song? Yes, please. Well, they started out in Boston, still wet behind the ears, and they made their way across the wild frontier. Yeehaw! As they sought their fame and fortune, their legend up and sprang, and they soon became the Apple Dumpling Gang. That's the best part of the movie. It's just theme song. I have to say, the movie was not... Okay. Don Knotts and Tim Conway are are the two outlaws. Now, Tim Conway, people will remember as the funny man on... Or one of the funny people on the Carol Burnett show. Mm-hmm. And for some reason, it was decided by various studios to team Don Knotts up with Tim Conway in a series of films that they made where they're like a comedy duo. Right. They are the least funny comedy duo I've ever seen in my life. <laughs> because actually, Tim Conway is also in Gus, but they don't share any scenes together. They're funny apart, but... Not funny at all as a pair. It's your Monty Python. It's, yeah, they're the Monty Python of crappy Disney movies. <laughs> but Apple Dumpling Gang was actually kind of fun because they're not in it too much. They're kind of off to the side. Uh-huh. Unfortunately, in Apple Dumpling Gang rides again, they have a bigger part. <laughs> but Apple Dumpling Gang... Did you ever see Apple Dumpling Gang? No, that's the same thing. I saw the trailer. Yeah, I would say watch that one because it's, it's kind of fun because yeah, Bill Bixby, Bruce Banner... Mm-hmm gets these three kids and they find gold and uh i can't think of what the woman's name is who's in it but she was also in airport 77 as george kennedy's wife oh and that's when the plane goes underwater right that's a whole other episode let's see about another one to talk about a little bit 
Okay, we mentioned in the Christmas episode. No, we didn't because we haven't filmed the Christmas episode yet. <laughs> and we haven't filmed anything because we were we record these. <laughs> we talked about Kurt Russell. Yes. In, in the 4th of July episode. Right. With the longest title of a movie in history. The one and only genuine original family band. And we mentioned that Kurt Russell was then signed on to do a bunch of different Disney movies. And it was following that, right? Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was after that one. And he, he did a couple. I have not seen these, though they have been in my queue quite a long time. Right. Uh, I keep getting distracted. Mainly because these are the ones that have really weird and hilarious titles, right? Is this the computer who wore tennis yeah, shoes? Yeah, so here, here's the here's the quick thing. I'm, this I didn't know. It was set at Medfield College. Okay. Now, Medfield College was the same college as in Flubber and the absent minded oh. Professor. Disney seemed to have just used that title and created like an interconnected universe. Very weird. Based around... Okay, here's the plot of Computer Who Wore Tennis Shoes. And again, I haven't seen it. A bumbling Medfield College student is accidentally transformed from a half-wit <laughs> to genius in an electrifying computer mishap. But things go south when gangsters realize he knows the ins and outs of their gambling ring. I did not realize that this would be a movie about gambling. Yeah, no, this is a movie about gambling. I could have sworn, though, that, oh, you know what? I'm thinking of a different one where I remember the cover of this DVD being like him as a strong man. Oh, are you referring to the strongest man in the world? That's probably what I'm thinking. Where of. a college science whiz creates a new supercharged vitamin compound that <laughs> accidentally ends up in his cereal box. Uh-oh. And the powerful formula... <laughs> Comes to the attention of two rival cereal companies touching off a hilarious chain of events. Is that the one you're referring to? I think that is the one I'm referring to. Nothing screams hilarity like dueling cereal companies. (laughs) Now, there's the other one. Do you remember the other Kurt Russell Russell movie that I'm I'm just realizing I didn't add to my list? This isn't Follow Me Boys, right? No, no, no. No, that's another one. They have those that where it's like the um those DVDs. The where uh, it was a four pack of yeah, a four Kurt Russell movie. And Mm -hmm. and mind you, Kurt Russell is like a teenager, college age. Right. He's he's not the he's not ego, the living planet. (laughs) But if you think about it, the breadth of his career, pretty extensive. Okay, I'm going to tell you the plot, and I want you to tell me the movie. Okay. A mailroom clerk and a chimp team up to pick TV shows. It's the Barefoot Executive, Which is about it? a chimpanzee who has the magical gift of being able to pick TV show pilots for the upcoming season. <laughs> but this was during that period, right, where they were constantly pairing up actors with animals, yeah. right? There was this whole period of films where they just seemed to want to team kids or adults with animals. Mm-hmm. Uh, for example, here's another one. This one's called Million Dollar Duck. Have you seen this one? No, you've told me about this one a lot, though. Okay, here it is. A research professor named Albert Dooley. Again, there's never any, like, Tony Krasinski, unless he's a gangster or anything. Research professor Dooley is stuck with past due bills and one down, dense lab duck. Things turn extraordinary when the bird is accidentally zapped with radiation and casually starts laying the proverbial golden eggs. Now, I saw this one, and it's awful. Really? Because his wife makes some kind of crazy... She's, like, experimenting in the kitchen with a new recipe. Of course, you know, it's 19-something, so, Uh of course. And she makes some kind of applesauce, but the ingredients she uses 
the duck eats, and it's not the radiation actually, but it's a com- the apple it's a combination sauce? of radiation and homemade applesauce by this woman who can't cook. But wait, didn't you say the plot synopsis part of it is that the duck is depressed or something like that? It's a down duck or something like that. Uh, and one downy dense duck. Yeah, the, uh, th- this is off of the. Uh, the this duck Dis- has depression. This is off of Disney Plus. That one is fun to watch just because it's a crazy. And then they spend half the movie chasing after this duck. I was going to say, it has to get into the animal does antics things, right? Yeah. Oh, well, another thing that's important to know about this movie is it stars Dean Jones. And we'll we'll talk a little bit more about him in in, Mm -hmm. in a few. But Dean Jones, for you in the audience, he was Disney's favorite leading man in the 1960s. Later in his career, he is probably most famous for being the evil veterinarian in the original Beethoven movie. Oh, you're right. Doesn't he try to shoot Beethoven? His evil scheme is to get Beethoven in order to test a new pistol and how it reacts to Beethoven's skull. No. And that was Dean Jones playing against type because right. he was most known for these stupid Disney movies. Mm-hmm. Uh, did you ever see That Darn Cat? I think I've seen part of the remake. Well, he starred in the, in the original... Uh-huh. But he plays, like, someone's husband, like an older husband, in the remake. Okay. For those of you who haven't seen That Darn Cat... Isn't the plot of the remake and the original totally different, though? It's kind of... Sim- well, the remake I actually liked more because it had Christina Ricci, mm-hmm. or Ricky. <laughs> and isn't it... And Dougie... Dougie it, Doug, Dougie right? Doug, who I love... Dougie Doug was one of the great comedians of our time, and he never got recognition. He, he was a star who shined too brightly too early. Yeah, he was the Amy Winehouse of 90s <laughs> comedians. Because he was also in... Cool Runnings. Cool Runnings. And he was also on Bill Cosby's CBS sitcom. So we can't like that anymore. But we can still like Cool Runnings. We That's can true. like that darn cat. And a favorite of mine, Bess Armstrong. That's right. Christina Ricci's mom. Bess Armstrong, best known to viewers of this podcast. As the uh, heroine of Jaws, Jaws 3. 3D. Here's the plot of That Darn Cat. When the irrepressible and always hungry DC, get it? Darn cat. Oh, gosh. She's a cat. Turns up with a wristwatch for a collar. It becomes a tip-off to an unsolved robbery and kidnapping. <laughs> and it goes from there. But That Darn Cat, well, okay, that's an example of the, where they remade. Oh, I can think of one other remake that they did of, of a live-action Disney movie. That Darn Cat. That you're saying is better? Or that just exists. There's one other that I can think of. Um, the answer is gravy. No, the answer isn't gravy. It's a remake of a live action. It's with uh, Robin Williams. I mentioned it at the beginning of this podcast. It's at Medford Co- Medfield College. Oh, Flubber and Absent-Minded Professor. Right. So they did make those, but neither of those I think were particularly successful. And wasn't Swiss Family Robinson remade as well? It was remade, I think, as a TV movie for uh, the wonderful world of Disney. Mm-hmm. Now, that's another good... Th- we're doing really good with segues yeah, in this episode. Yeah, we through this. Okay, here's another segue. Let's talk about a movie called Mr. Boogity. Oh, please. Now, we this have to is get into this. W- this is one Nick and I have watched. I sort of together. sought this out after hearing about it through various other recommendations. Right, well, I from- remember seeing it on the list when they, when they said what was coming out. And being that it's a Disney live action movie that was for kids, but also had the spooky goosebumps type of element of it, well, I was really interested in what it could possibly be. Because it was on the, what was then called the Magic World of Disney, which was one of the many iterations of, of Disney Channel, of Wonderful World of Disney. Mm-hmm. 
So why don't you try to explain the plot of Mr. Boogity? I'll try. And then I'm going to give you some interesting facts about the movie. Right. And you have to look this up because... When you type in Mr. Boogity into your Disney sur- Plus, your, yeah. you'll see what Mr. Boogity looks like. <laughs> and I'll get to what one of the characters calls him in a second. Right. So a family moves into an old creepy house when they move towns. And the father is a joke or prop salesman he yeah, like a novelty sells, store or joke uh, yeah he sells like gags and other type <laughs> like of like whoopee cushions and you know, you know things like that so they move into this house and they hear from their realtor that <laughs> right. played by mr john john aston that they're on the hallowed ground of the boogity man which is essentially this miser Scrooge-like character who, in the early, early... The colonial period. <laughs> uh, he hated children. Because nothing screams scary like buckles on hats. <laughs> and the way that he got his name, the Boogity Man... Boogity, Boogity. Is because that's what he would rush up to children <laughs> and say as he... To get them away. He would just go, Boogity, Boogity, Boogity! And Do you I, remember the name of the town? No, I don't. Lucifer Falls? Oh my god, that's lame. <laughs> but then the ghost of the Boogity Man starts haunting them. And one of the children, the lead one, who's... Is that Christy Swanson? Yeah, Christy, a pre-Buffy the Vampire Slayer Christy Swanson. And, she, one of the, and one of the kids also is David Faustino. From Married with Children. Married with Children. And Christy Swanson's character sort of gets... I wouldn't say the most hauntings, but she seems to have the most visceral reaction to seeing the boogity man. And she says, his face was horrible. It was like a grilled cheese sandwich or something. (laughs) Now, are you scared of a grilled cheese sandwich? Then this movie might not be for you. By the way, it's only like a half hour. It's 45 minutes, I think. Which really doesn't make sense for a TV movie. Well, because it was an episode of the... Wonderful World of Disney, so it, ha- it ran in a one-hour slot. Oh, I so you see. Factoring commercials and all that stuff, but I think the idea was that the father is like a goofy dad who's like putting snakes into his kids' beds, and right. there's uh, all that kind of stupid crap. I think at first they think it's just oh, dad's playing a prank on me. Yeah, and then everyone starts to get the hauntings, and I believe even the mom gets a haunting from the wife, not the wife, the. Woman who is the boogie man was lusting after. Yeah. The boogie man was lusting at, but he, but because he kept going boogity boogity, it kind of turned her off. <laughs> it was Weirdly, not, it didn't exactly attract her. And I remember there's a scene where they're like in the living room in sleeping bags, right? Because they're freaked out by the different hauntings that they've been sort of the recipients <laughs> of. And is that the scene where the mummy starts dancing? Yeah, in mummy front of them? starts to dance. Things come to life. <laughs> You only see Mr. Boogie, I think, like the last few minutes. few minutes, unless you look at the poster or anything else. Right. Not <laughs> scary. Not scary, but if, if you've ever seen the Mary-Kate and Ashley We Invite You videos... That's about as scary it's as It's of then. the same scariness and of the same visual quality. Yeah. It was cheaply made. And because it's also a product of the 80s, it has sort of a grain to the film and it looks like a you know it looks like an older tv movie. yeah it looks like they they filmed it through like a a 
thin veneer of chicken fat. You know, <laughs> at the same time, that is kind of what I enjoyed about it. Yeah, is it was that fun. It was it was fun. Bad. I could imagine watching that near Halloween. Now, here's a few interesting bits of trivia that I didn't realize. I'm going to give you a hint. An actor who auditioned for the David Faustino part later won an Academy Award for playing the Joker in the movie Joker. Mr. Joaquin Phoenix, Joaquin really? Phoenix auditioned for the role. Michael Janiver's original script was called Cheap Thrills and was supposed to be a parody of horror films written for Cheech and Chong. Really? And then... Why would that go to Disney... Though. Because it didn't sell, it was picked up, and it was retooled into this. Strange. There's also a sequel. This for is those true. of you who loved just, the first film. Yeah, for those of you that were clamoring for a sequel to the Mr. Boogity Grilled Cheese Face story. Called Bride of Boogity. They didn't get to Son of Boogity or the Ghost of Boogity, unfortunately. Or the Mr. Boogity's Hand. Now, the sequel, I did see. Did you see the sequel yet? I have yet to see the sequel. You're missing out. Because if you thought 46 minutes was too short for the first film the second film is an hour and a half that is a a significant jump and here's what it says on imdb a family with a great love for practical jokes is haunted by the family ghost mr boogity and as i remember it it's not as good as the first one because it's too long chrissy Mm -hmm. swans is not in it i think the the ghost falls in love with the mom it's going to like Strange. transform, but this one does have something that the first one does not. Is it Mr. Eugene Levy it's in Eugene it? Eugene Levy as an evil rival practical joke store owner. That's amazing. I love that. Again, these are just silly dumb ones, but it's just strange to think that Disney put time and money into something like this. Yeah. Is Eugene Levy, I mean, he's a villain to the father character but is he in it a lot or is he just kind of a throwaway uh he's in it, he's in a, he, he's not a throwaway he's in it now and then I'm, I'm looking and actually he he he's the owner of a general store but i think the general store sells gags and something. oh another actor that we've talked about on this show is in this uh vincent schiavelli really everyone's favorite uh organ grinder from <laughs> batman right let's talk about another dean jones movie called the Ugly Dashant. I've never heard of this one. This is about the, the garrisons live with a great Dane who thinks he's a dainty dachshund. <laughs> His identity crisis results in an uproarious series of household crises that reduce the garrison's house to shambles. Wait, how do they figure out that this dog is going through an existential crisis? Because the dog acts and behaves like a dachshund. <laughs> Which is one of those little dogs. Yeah, little wiener dogs. And this one, Dean Jones was frequently paired up with Suzanne Plachette. Now, Suzanne Plachette, you'll, you might know from the series New Heart. And she was the voice of the villainess in The Lion King 2. She played Zira. Oh. And I, I watched this one. And I remember watching it while I was on the floor. I was on a uh, an inflatable mattress. Ah. And I remember watching it and <laughs> thinking... What a piece of crap this one is. Is this one slow? It's very slow. It, Suzanne Plachette loves dachshunds. But through a series of circumstances, they end up getting a Great Dane. And of course, a Great Dane is a, is a large dog. Very large dog. And a dachshund is a small dog. Do you understand the comedy <laughs> that's going to come forth? This is the uproarious comedy it's we've like heard how, so much about. Right. And it's a play on the ugly duckling a little bit. Very loosely. But... Dean, is this around the 60s, you said? Oh, yeah. 
But Dean Jones was such a good actor and such an affable actor that you kind of get sucked into it because you like Dean Jones. Mm-hmm. He was also in the love some of the Love Bug movies. Oh, okay. But you get lost in the fact that you actually start to pay attention to this stupid concept <laughs> where you know, like I remember the scene with the little dogs. Like they have a bunch of little dachshunds jump up on the, someone's lap. And then who comes into the room next? But the big old Great Dane. It's, it's a bad version, actually, of Beethoven, now that I think about it. Oh, that's funny. Uh, here's another quick Dean Jones one called The Shaggy DA. Which... Oh, that's another remake. That's another one with Mr. Tim Allen. Or at least the first one. Because the first one is called The Shaggy Dog. Mm-hmm. This one's The Shaggy DA. Okay. Wilby Daniels, a successful... <laughs> <laughs> a successful lawyer running for district attorney suddenly finds himself transformed into, a, into an English sheepdog. <laughs> Somehow he has to keep his change a secret and continue doing his cases and find out just what is causing it, all while eluding the local dog catcher. <laughs> now, I remember seeing the remake in theaters of, the, of Shaggy Dog, but I definitely don't remember it leaving any impact. I never... The thing with with Tim Allen is like I liked him as the star of Home Improvement, Home Improvement, and Santa Claus, and what's the other one? Um, Toy Story. Toy Story, but uh, where where they go? Jungle to Jungle. Oh right, right, right. But I never liked him in like these other ones, like and that one in particular. Like I just never had any interest in watching. I'd be more interested in watching the original, than The Tim Allen one. I think that's Fred McMurray. Oh, okay. Was the original Shaggy Dog? Does the Shaggy DA a sequel to the Shaggy Dog? No, then, because just no, because a... Fred McMurray was the Shaggy Dog in the first one. Right. I didn't know if they were trying to do that thing where they recast him to be the same exact. No, I, no, character. no. It's a different. The syndrome plagues others. No, that would be so upsetting. Yeah. So let's go from Shaggy Dogs to other kinds of creatures that I couldn't even begin to explain to you what kind of a creature it is. I think I know the one that Do you know we're what about I'm talking talk about? about? So why don't you why don't you take it from here? This is a this is a troubling movie. This one is the type of movie that if you see it, it forces you to uh, you enroll yourself in therapy, to take a hot shower and to scrub every single part of your body in bleach. This movie makes Ernest Rides Again look like Avatar. <laughs> In comparison. It's a movie called Fuzzbucket. Now, you might be thinking, Nick, are you okay? <laughs> Did you fall into some weird coma where you were asleep for eight years? Vanna? <laughs> That's a callback. But this was also part of that wonderful World of Disney series where it's only 45 minutes or less. Yeah, 45 minutes. Yeah. And it's essentially the tale of a young boy who I believe is starting middle school or high school. Junior high. And he's a little bit nervous about starting it. But luckily he has his friend Fuzzbucket to help him get through these troubling times. His imaginary friend. We think at first. We think. Then. Because remember, his mom and dad fight a lot. mm. So he has to have an imaginary friend. Right. And he's weird and he's into comics and he likes outer space and he has a tree house and in this tree house this imaginary friend becomes real when we see Fuzzbucket, who is essentially a four foot tall armadillo human hybrid that appears from drinking this concoction of 
something that he makes where it shows his skeleton first, then it cuts away and he's got muscles, <laughs> and then a fur begins to spout out of the muscles, and you see what it looks like. And it was truly one of the most horrifying sights I've ever seen in my entire life. And part of the problem also with this movie was it just looked gross. If Mr. Boogity looked weird because it had grain and it seemed kind of old and not preserved well, Fuzzbucket is like the film stock is drenched in iced tea and blood. It's it like they took the nasty. film stock, buried it in the ground for 2,000 years, dug it up, and put it through a camera. <laughs> and unlike Mr. Boogity, which had a kind of charm to it. This had no charm. This had no charm. It's basically E.T. Right, because most of the time, I mean, if you have half of a brain cell, you know that Fuzzbucket is real because you've seen the poster and you know right. that. But most of the film, it's like, oh... He's just having fun with his imaginary friends. He's got to grow up sometime. Right. And then it, I guess once the parents stop fighting and pay more attention, once their marital issues are solved. Within 20 minutes, mind you, because this is only 40 minutes. Yeah, it's, not, it's basically, hey, mom and dad, get over it. Right. Then Fuzzbucket goes underground, I remember, and he joins his other Fuzzbucket. Oh, right. Remember? Well, I also remember, too, thinking when we first see the boys like home and were inside his bedroom Ooh. it looking like a bad set a like, very bad 1960s adult film set yeah it looked grimy hi ma'am i'm here to fix your pipes <laughs> hi i'm here to play with my friend Fuzzbucket. <laughs> like i said this was not a i really didn't like this or enjoy this i can't recommend you mr boogity definitely but what's strange is the writer and director is Mick Garris. Oh my God, who did like a ton of Stephen King movies. Yeah, he, he, he's most famous for doing, um, let me he see. he did Sleepwalkers. He did Sleepwalkers. He did, what's the other one? Tales from the Crypt, The Stand. Mm -hmm. What's the other one that I know that he, oh, was he involved in Hocus Pocus? I think he was. Yeah, I think he was involved in Hocus Pocus. How he did this, again, I'm assuming that this is a case of there was a script, and they had to shoot it cheaply and, and cut it way, way down. But this definitely didn't help from... If those are the extenuating circumstances, <laughs> it definitely did not help the final product. Because it's a sad, depressing case. He also wrote Critters 2. Oh, really? Is Critters the one we watched where they're in the desert? That's Tremors. 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 Excuse me, I'm getting my small creature monster movies mixed up. Mixed up. And it seems that with Disney... They often would cut movies way, way down, or scripts or projects way, way down. At least what's on Disney Plus, there's some of these that are like that. And there's a very glaring example <laughs> of this strange cutting. Oh, this is good. Involving a seal. Now, this is not the movie Andre. No. Which we've talked about. It's a great. We've talked about Andre in maybe every episode, <laughs> which is very sad. And I need to, I'm actually going to right now make a note that I need to purchase the movie Andre about a seal. Nick, tell us about another seal thing. Cause sure. I don't know if it, it's not a movie and it's not a TV show. It's half of a movie. It's half of a movie. Actually, called, I think it's even a quarter of a movie called Sammy, the way out seal. Now this is another issue of, 1960s kid slash adults being paired up with an animal and all right well we've got ducks 
We've got monkeys. We've got dogs. We've got mules. Imaginary animals. What else can we... Let's get a seal on board. (laughs) And this story essentially tells the tale of two boys who go to the beach with their parents one day. And they find Sammy, a seal. Right. Who, I believe he's washed ashore. And he's a little seal at the very beginning. Very, very beginning. And they try to care for him. They try to make him feel loved and whatnot. But they do the Mickey Mouse cartoon thing where they try to hide the seal from their parents. So they stuff the seal into their bag or whatever. And Sammy gets to live at their house. But... The parents don't know about this, but it's still making noise. And we got to keep Sammy in the shed. We'll hide it in the bathtub. Now, Sammy, don't go anywhere because we're going to go to a family barbecue five towns over. I remember there's a scene where the seal gets into a grocery store. Oh, that was insane because that's the end of the movie. And the seal has somehow caused so much anarchy throughout the town. There's dogs chasing him people are chasing the dogs and they're going through the town hall and the grocery store it becomes like a godzilla movie at a certain point except it's a seal i was i was gonna say it's more like the great race where it's just constant anarchy i was waiting for an eight minute pie fight (laughs) check this out here's what the weird thing was you know there's usually a logical cause and effect a to b to c we were realizing as we were watching it things are just kind of happening and that things were very obviously missing Things were very obviously being cut out. Like, there's characters that are introduced to us at the 30-minute mark or so, and there's only 12 minutes of the movie left, and they seem like major characters. Because the movie's 43 minutes. Now, this was a two-part episode on, again, the magical world of Disney, a.k.a. wonderful world of Disney. Mm -hmm. According to IMDb, part one was an hour and a half. Part two was an hour. So that's Meaning why. two and a half two hours. Two and a half hours was the original runtime of Sammy the Way Out Seal. And so they, where did that go? And why cut it down? Was it was I don't even know why. I'm looking at the uh, Disney Plus. The picture that they have there is two boys playing checkers with a seal between them. <laughs> this is one to check out just because of how crazy the editing is. Right. And there is still some really funny moments because at one point Sammy sneaks out of the shed, like I said, and I believe he finds his way to a party. Right. A pool party pool at party someone's house. Next door. And he jumps into the pool, and one woman goes absolutely crazy. She faints multiple times. Because <laughs> she clearly has never seen a seal before. Right. And I mean, I don't know. I guess that is faint-worthy, but... Because <laughs> remember, that people are swimming in the pool... And I think Sammy's in the pool, but no one at first realizes it's Sammy. Which, in a theory, would be kind yeah, of and like freaky. Someone's, uh, and it's funny because it, the concept is a good kid movie concept. Yeah. Two kids find a seal. And again, I think that was the plot of Andre. <laughs> but they still try to raise it and they try to keep it from the parents. But it's totally incomprehensible because an hour and a half of it is gone. It's been cut. I'd be curious as to... What it looked like with the full two hours and 23 or whatever. I more just want to know why did they cut it out? Why did they cut it? They didn't have to fill any time slot. Right. And what they did leave is so bizarre. Here's something interesting the movie Andre is not a Disney movie, but it was the true story of how a seal named Andre befriended a little girl and her family circa 1962. The movie Sammy the Way Out Seal 
also came out in 1962. Very strange. Even though Andre came out in 1994, but the story, that's very odd. I'm going to do, uh, viewers, I will come back with more information about this right. because this people need to know this. Oh, we've lost him. He's going down the rabbit hole now. Okay, here's another animal paired up with person. Can you think of what, what I'm thinking of? I feel like we've hit on the big ones that I... This is another one that we watched, you and I. It's only 47 oh, oh, minutes I know what it long. Is. Do you know what it is? Is this Sultan and the Rockstar? <laughs> Which I remember being a fun, bad movie, right? That one I felt like we enjoyed more than Sammy the Way Out Seal because I believe we paired it with that. Yeah. Because this one is like the most dangerous game, <laughs> but with <laughs> right. a rock star and a tiger. Here's the synopsis real quick on uh, Disney+. Plus. Which categorizes this as family, nature, and animals, and action adventure. A popular rock star befriends a tame tiger living in an apparent island paradise, but then learns that the island's cruel owner is hunting it for sport. Oh, no. So, tell a little bit about this 47-minute movie. So, from my memory of it, this one didn't necessarily suffer so bad from editing, but it did feel like things were cut out of it. Yeah. I think it's supposed to be like a John Lennon type, someone who's like a big, yeah, big like name, a, a big name rock star, and he's like, "I've had it with this tour." He leaves his gig, and he's like, "I'm gonna go to the jungle," and he <laughs> charters a plane and then a boat, and essentially just wants to make a camp for himself. And within a few minutes, he stumbles across this tiger, and the tiger's like. Not threatened by him. The tiger is not necessarily hostile. Just comes right up and he's like, hey, buddy, you want to hang out here? And if I remember correctly, there's like a, not like a prison camp, but like. No, but there's something like that. It's something strange. Like, like some the, kind of evil industrialist or something. Right? And that's where the rock star, because remember the tiger's name Sultan. <laughs> right. The rock star goes to get supplies from there and. I think the tiger also finds its way into the kitchen or something like that, like the food supply. Right. I kind of remember there being a long scene where the tiger's knocking down stuff and knocking shelves over. And do you remember who plays Sultan? Or, excuse me, we know who plays Sultan. It was a tiger. Do you remember who plays the rock star? It's not someone who actually had a singing career. No, it's Timothy Hutton. Oh, my God. From Ordinary People and various other things. Was he the father in the Hill House series? Or am I thinking of someone else? Uh, I was thinking of someone else. I think. No, I'm wrong. <laughs> he was the father in okay. the haunting of Hill Hill House. Hill House. Hill House. Yeah. Yeah. That one was a fun. It was short, and that was a fun one because of how crazy the concept of it is, and that it's about a rock star. I imagine someone who thought this was like a spinoff of Aladdin. Oh my god, you know, it was me about the Sultan from Agrabah. But isn't there a scene where they like run from a grenade or something like that? Yeah, or a missile? Something like that where they're on they're in the trees and he's like, We gotta run. I kinda remember and it's like a off screen explosion. But I was like, Whoa Yeah, there was a there was some kind of there was definite gunplay in right. this movie. It's a fun one. It's it's not going to win any Oscars. It's no. not going to win any Emmys or Tonys. It moves a little bit more than any of the other ones. I feel like it's better mentioned. made in terms of being comprehensible than Sammy the Way Out Seal. Right. The, the the one that has the best charm is Mr. Boogity. Yeah, because that at least had some charm to it. It has a like a Halloween vibe, and it also feels like it 
was made and completed. So I would definitely say check that one out while it's there. So in the minutes we have remaining, let's go through some of these other ones. I'm just going to read to you real quick the synopsis. I want you to see if you can tell me the, the title. Okay. I don't know if you've seen these. To restore his family's lost wealth, a young Boston lad named Jack, again, not Bastion, stows away on a ship bound for the California gold rush, fearful that the boy may not fare well out in West. The family's very proper butler gives chase. Once the two reunite in San Francisco, the duo is destined for nonstop adventure, wild and woolly characters, and a lucky punch that leads to a bonanza of belly laughs. Is this um, Treasure Matacumbe? Nope. Good guess, though. This has the bookworm himself, Roddy McDowell, in this. <laughs> it's the adventures of Bullwhip oh, Griffin. Griffin, which I saw. It's a, it's a musical. Really, really, really slow. Very slow. It also has Suzanne Plachette again in it and Richard Hayden, who people will know from The Sound of Music. Oh. Where he played... Um, I don't remember who he played, but he was in The Sound of Music. Uh, the Treasure Matacumbe, you mentioned that one. That one I enjoyed quite a bit, even though it was really much too long. That one had Peter Ustinov in it. Oh, why is that name familiar? Well, Peter Ustinov, you probably know as King John in... Um, right. What was that movie? Robin Hood. Robin Hood. But that's the one that also has an either an ending or a segment that takes place at Disney World Florida, right? Right. They actually filmed, and I will show it to you on my screen here. Oh, yeah. That's, There's Seven Seas Lagoon. That's Seven Seas Lagoon. Or that's actually... Um, no, Bay Lake. Bay Lake. It's, it's that island in the center. And that was about... It was a post-Civil War adventure between a, a, a white boy and an African-American boy mm-hmm. where they just go on this search for buried gold in Florida, and they go from wherever in like Virginia... Down. And it's a fun movie. It's an hour and fifty-five. It's a, it's a That's very a slow long. schlep. Do you have any ones that you that you? Well, there's ones that we I haven't seen, but I know that we've talked about before, like Blackbeard's Ghost, which I oh, actually remember. That's a good one. Here's the thing: I remember having the VHS of it, but I don't think I ever. Really? I don't think I ever watched it. And that's a Dean Jones one, also. But. I think I bought it thinking it was a actual swashbuckling adventure type. <laughs> right. Could well, you maybe explain a little bit what the plot is? Okay. I know you watched And This is one of the first I watched on Disney+. Plus. And this is another Dean Jones, Suzanne Plachette movie. Mm-hmm. Blackbeard, the once black-hearted scoundrel, materializes in a small New England town, cursed to wander in limbo until he performs a good deed. He gets his chance when he decides to help a local college track team? <laughs> One that has an, a ghost of a chance of winning. Dean Jones plays the track coach, and Blackbeard helps the track team be better runners. <laughs> That's one of those things where you're like, who thought of this? <laughs> who sat down and said, this is what I want to spend my day writing? People actually, I mean, we're not on this planet a very long time. But these spent, people actually spent some of their time <laughs> writing and or being a part of it. Now, that actually also has Peter Ustinov. Peter Ustinov played Blackbeard. Was he on one of those contracts where they made uh, probably him do multiple movies? Interestingly, he was also the original choice for Inspector Clouseau. Really? And, and he was replaced by another famous Peter Sellers. Peter Sellers. Blackbeard's Ghost was fun. I must say that one was fun. But is it 
craziness, does that ever make it lose its charm? No. If anything, it's not as crazy as it should be. But that that synopsis should be a much crazier movie. I'll just read you some titles because we won't get into all these because we could be here forever. There's Case Busters, The Castaway Cowboy, The Cat from Outer Space, The Christmas Star. That's another Ed Asner. Uh Uh-huh. Uh, where he plays Santa, right? Where he plays, Ed Asner, I think, has played Santa more than anyone else. Diary of a Wimpy Kid is not an obscure Disney movie, but it's one that pops up in our lives it quite haunts a bit. Our, it haunts our lives. There's, of course, the Escape from Witch Mountain movies, Far From Home, The Adventures of a Yellow Dog, The Ghosts of Buxley Hall, The Journey of Natty Gan, <laughs> Grey Friars Bobby. Come on, The, the Happiest Millionaire. That's finally on there, It's right? finally on there. Herbie Goes Bananas. Herbie Goes to Monte Carlo. Herbie Rides Again. Herbie Rides Again. What is this one? Oh, I'm just looking at the In Beaver Valley. Hi, ma'am. I'm here to fix your pipes. <laughs> That's the plot of Beaver Valley. No, thank you, ma'am. So I think, I think we've touched on... We've touched on too much. I would hope that these are all movies that the average... Disney Plus subscriber was not actively searching out, and now you're at least a little bit more interested. In. Oh, I gotta, I gotta give another one real quick. The last one that we'll mention, and it's one that I referenced before, and it was one of the very first movies I when Disney Plus came out the first day. I remember watching Aladdin: and The King of Thieves, and I remember watching a few other episodes of different things I hadn't seen in a while. Mm-hmm. Xenon, I watched, but the next day. I watched a movie called Those Callaways, which is our go-to reference. For some reason. For some reason. I I remember when the the initial list came out, I remember reading through the list, and the one that caught my eye was Those Callaways, because it's it's the worst possible title (laughs) for a movie. It's two hours and 11 minutes. No, that's too long! And it's about a strong-willed family in a small New England town struggling against tremendous odds to realize their dream of establishing a sanctuary for the great flocks of wild geese that migrate overhead. I hate geese, first of all. And it was actually not a bad movie. It was, an inter- it was I'm sure, based on a novel or some kind of true story. And it's from when? 1965. That's a long movie, it though. Stars Two Brian, hours and 11 minutes? It stars Brian Keith, who played the dad... He was in many things, but he played the dad in the original Parent Trap. Another, I'm, I'm, we were, wow, we just keep coming back to it. Another live action, live action remake that was remade, starring Dennis Quaid, the lesser brother, in my opinion, of Randy Quaid. Which also, to tie it back to the beginning, yes, Mike Brody from Jaws 3D. And it's all it all comes together. It always comes. Back so if to you Jaws had to play 3D. that game, you connect movies. How do you connect those Callaways with Jaws 3D? And that was a good movie. That was kind of in the vein of like a, of a Davy Crockett. It's not as good as In Beaver Valley, <laughs> or the there's another one called The Boy Who Talked to Badgers. Oh God, I didn't even hear of this one. Which is about a boy who talks to badgers. I probably could have figured that from the title. <laughs> so, which ones would we would we say definitely check out? Mister Boogity. I would check out Mister Boogity, and I'll also say Bride of Boogity. I know I haven't watched that, but. I imagine that it serves as a nice double feature, those two. I would say definitely check out those. Check out... What's another one? Those Callaways. Blackbeard's Ghost is a fun one. I'm curious to check out other ones that we talked about that I haven't seen. I've already forgotten what we've talked about. 
I know I want to see Treasure of Matacumbe just to see oh, that's a good one. That, that sequence at the end of the movie. That's a, that's a one where you might want to pause it halfway through, go live your life, and then come back mm. and finish it. The whole point of this is that Disney Plus, yeah, you have your the ones that are already nostalgic for you. Your Lion King, Aladdin. What's a live action one uh, people would like? 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea is probably my favorite of the live action ones. But Disney Plus is so much more than just the ones that have made Disney what we know it is today. There's all these other titles that you probably were not even aware existed. And that was a great surprise to stumble across on launch day. Yeah, so definitely check out the various ones we've talked about and the various ones we haven't talked about. But the ones we've talked about, those are those those those, those are staples in <laughs> those our Those you'll enjoy. And don't Google in Beaver Valley <laughs> because who knows what you're going to find. But again, we haven't even covered the Disney Channel original movies. We haven't covered any of the animated, animated movies. But um, those are episodes for another. Those day. are those are in the those are season two if we get renewed. <laughs> Of course, I'm the one who does the renewing or not, so... Uh, so do you know if we're getting renewed? Yeah, probably. Right. Well, that does it for this episode of Obscure Obsessions. Thank you so much for tuning in. As always, I am your host, Nick Sicario, joined by my cousin and co-host... Taylor Sicario, the star of In Beaver Valley. <laughs> we'll see you next time. Be well, and bye bye Boogity, boogity, boogity. Obscure Obsessions is directed, written, and edited by Taylor and Nick Sicario, and is a co-production with Tan Productions. Special thanks to Anchor for podcast distribution and to Twin Musicom, Stockwaves, and Walpurnian Music for providing the score. Follow Obscure Obsessions on Facebook and Instagram, username at ObscurePodcast in all lowercase, and on Twitter, username at ObscurePod, uppercase O and uppercase P, for episode details, previews, and more.